Welcome to Clothed with the Sun, a daily reading of today's gospel and a meditation for the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Sunday, March 19th, 2023. We would normally celebrate the Feast of St. Joseph on March 19th, but the church has moved it to tomorrow, the 20th this year, being that that is a Monday and this is a Sunday in Lent. Feast days uh, are set aside ever so slightly for the sake of Sundays in major seasons such as Lent, Easter, Christmas, Advent, etc. So this is, we're celebrating today the fourth Sunday of Lent. It's hard to believe we're already halfway through the season of Lent. Going to read the Gospel, which is from the, the Gospel according to John. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he not nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay excuse me, with the saliva and smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam which means sent. So he went and washed and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said it is, but others said no, he just looks like him. He said, I am. So they said to him, How are your eyes opened? He replied, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me, Go wash, go to Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes and I washed and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him, since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight, until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. They asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, he would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason his parents said, He is of age, question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, As If he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, You are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. 
We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to them, This is what is so amazing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever open the eyes of a blind person, of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that he had been thrown out, that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see might see, and those who do see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not also blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying we see, so your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. So as we reflect on this reading, first I just want to say the hardest time of the year to preach is during the great feasts, during Lent, during Easter, during Christmas, uh, because there's just so much to say. It's, there's so many things in this gospel reading. Uh, just the reality of Jesus making it a sacrament. He, he takes mud. You know, the church is an incarnational reality. It involves, well, Jesus himself is the founder of the church, obviously, being God. He came to earth as man. So Jesus is God and man. The church is made up of the Holy Spirit, but also human beings. And our world is filled with spirits. Hopefully we focus on those good spirits like our Lord, our Lady, the angels, etc. But our world and our church, etc., they're also filled with stuff. So Jesus, we believe, established the sacraments for us, one of them being the anointing of the sick. And it uses oil. It uses the laying on of hands, yet it conveys an in an invisible spiritual reality. The old Baltimore Catechism definition of a sacrament was an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. So there is an invisible grace, but also an external sign. So Jesus foreshadows this. Jesus is establishing this by making a clay, putting it on his eyes. There's other ways that Jesus does healings that aren't just from a distance, and they aren't just purely spiritual. After all, he is healing a body. Uh, the body, which is, of course, part of the man. Um, so there's that. There's so much to the miracle healing. There's so much to what the Pharisees are saying. There's so much to this back and forth conversation and then how Jesus speaks of them and the whole theme of being blind and seeing. And the man is so in awe of what just happened to him. He's just simply stating, as we heard stated in the, the TV show, The Chosen by Mary Magdalene and so many words by some of the others. Well, I was one way and now I'm another way. And the only thing that was different, and the only thing, the thing that came in the middle was him, meaning Jesus. Jesus transformed me. So in a lot of ways, too, this is an analogy for a bigger picture. Our souls, our lives being transformed, receiving sanctifying grace. So I just like to focus, and, and very often, too, I would use this uh, particular reading 
as a meditation, just just a pure meditation. Since the podcast is so new, I'm not going to do that today uh, because I'm trying to get this podcast going with a little bit of preaching here and there, a little bit of deeper, trying to go deeper in the reflections. Uh, I wanted to just use this as a springboard to talk a little bit about fatherhood. Pope John Paul, in his Theology of the Body and in his many talks, used to say the greatest problem we have today, the greatest evil, the source of all the problems in the world today is a crisis of fatherhood. Now, we mean that, and he meant that on many levels, that we forget we have a father. When you forget that you have a father, particularly the father in heaven, then you don't feel that you're being taken care of. You don't feel as loved. You don't feel as confident. You don't feel provided for. And so therefore, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, they doubted the fatherhood of God, that he was all good, that he was taking care of them. So they reached out their hand to grab something that they were told they weren't supposed to have, but they thought to themselves, well, we'll, we'll show him. We'll, we'll do something better. We'll make it better via the temptation of the devil in the form of a serpent. But then they made everything worse. They rejected his fatherhood and they relied on their own pride. They relied on their own ideas, their own thoughts, their own feelings. Not that we're supposed to uh, completely neglect our own minds, our own feelings, but we do this in union with the Father. And the Father is the one that gets us going. You know, like when we're given birth, our mothers hold us. We can't survive without our parents. We can't survive without our mother in particular feeding us, keeping us warm, keeping us clothed, etc., and then little by little, we become independent with our first steps, learning how to talk, learning how to read, learning how to do calculus, <laughs> learning whatever, how to fix a car. The, the life goes on and we become more independent. But we always have to remember we have a father. But also this is reflected in our society today with just the lack of fathers and families. It's really the number one reason when you look at all the stats it's, it's the number one statistic for people that stop going to church. Their dad didn't take them. When moms take their kids to church, that's great. There's good numbers there, but they're not as good as when dad takes the kids to church. But also just a father figure being present. For myself, in mentoring a lot of young people over the years, um, I just see that so clearly. There's a father figure that's either missing or neglectful or abusive. And for me to simply just put myself out there as a potential mentor for that young person, whether it's in directing a play, whether it's in coaching a sport, or just being there, walking through the hallway after school to say hi to the kids, whatever it is, uh, kids are longing for that. And developmental psychology talks about all, I mean, nowadays, <laughs> so many people, countless people, have daddy wounds because a father was not present, because a father maybe even was abusive, Therefore, people don't have what they need in their inner psyche. They're lacking confidence. They're um, maybe, I mean, so many different things, so many different disorders, anxiety, depression, etc., come from the father wound. So Jesus, if we can mix a little bit of psychology, emotional language here, and theology and spirituality, Jesus came to heal our daddy wounds par excellence. The Pharisees were supposed to be the fathers of the people. They ended up being the opposite. We talked about that the other day, and there's so much more to say about that, especially as Jesus is going to the cross. We're going to see how they treat him, 
And it's reflective of how they treat everyone, that they're all about their power. They're about their authority. They're all about themselves. And they're not about the children, the sheep, however you want to say it, the people entrusted to them. They're meant to be the shepherds. They're meant to be the fathers. They wear robes indicating that they represent the Father. And I think this is why Jesus gets angry. It's not a sin to get angry. It's a sin, you know, maybe to hurt people because of our anger. There's things we can do with our anger that are sinful. But Jesus gets angry at this more than anything because he loves his Abba, his daddy, more than anything. And that's why Jesus is the perfect man. It has a lot to do with St. Joseph being a just man, as the Bible tells us. In this world, Jesus had good parents, the best of parents, but Jesus also spent lots of time in prayer and was greatly affirmed by his father. We even see it a few times in the Bible that the father says, this is my beloved son. So the affirmation that we need, Jesus had it fully, but we can get that from Jesus, from the father. I mean, the Lord provides for us in so many ways, first through our parents and then through other people over the years that he puts in our lives. If we're missing this or that, we should ask him for this or that. Maybe it's, I don't know, a father figure, a mother figure, a partner, a whatever, whatever it is that we need in our lives, we should ask the Lord because he wants to provide for us all the best things, everything that we need. So Jesus had the perfect father, he has the perfect father. Jesus then becomes the father of humanity in a way. We don't refer to him as father. Some of the prayers of the church actually do mention Jesus as father. Jesus, he takes on that role. So when he's curing Mary Magdalene of her demons, when he's curing this blind man, all the different people that he heals and cures, he's bestowing fatherhood upon them. He's healing them. He's touching them. He's loving them in a way that's pure, that's wholesome, that restores to them their dignity, that makes them feel good about themselves. They grow in confidence and they fall in love with him, of course, in an appropriate, proper way that makes them want to follow him. They want to stick to him. They want to pray to him. They want to pray to Abba, just like Jesus does. And this is where the church comes from, this desire to worship the Lord, because we realize he gives us everything. He loves us. He provides all of our needs. And a lot of us, even in the church, we struggle with the identity, with the proper identifying of who the Father is. A lot of times we think only of discipline. We think of God the Father as a strict disciplinarian. He's going to get you one day with that lightning bolt. That's how we think of God. And yet Jesus tried so hard, and he continues to do this. The Divine Mercy Devotion is a great example of this. Jesus tries so hard to convey to us, it's true, there will be ramifications of our actions because we're free to choose. We're free to choose for God or against God. With God is everything good, peace and love and joy and heaven. Without God, we lose all that. But that's our choice. He respects our choice. But his emphasis, although he does warn us of hell and so many other things like that, his emphasis is re reminding us, drawing us into that fatherhood, his great love, his, his healing power. He wants to heal us all the time. Every day of our lives, we should be looking withinward and saying, where do I still need healing? What sins am I still committing? What psychological wounds do I have? Where, where am I hurting inside? Am I depressed? Am I sad? Am I anxious? Am I uh, OCD? Whatever. I mean, yeah, sometimes there's counseling needed. Sometimes there's support groups um, even those things work best together with prayer. When we take time in meditation, just like Jesus did all the time going out into the desert, 
but we can do this anywhere. You can do this in your bedroom where you take time with the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I love you. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for dying for me. Lord, please heal me. Please show me where I'm still wounded. Please continue to heal me so that I can become uh, what you made me to be, which he made us to share in his glory. And that's not just for heaven. That's here on earth as well. He made us to be filled with his spirit. He made us to be um, confident. He made us to be loving, and that love first comes from him. And ultimately, yes, this is about our sanctification. This is about getting to heaven. Um, and this is about sharing that fatherhood, that motherhood with everyone else around us. Jesus came to heal us. Jesus came ultimately in a way, in a very big way, to heal our father wounds. God bless you. Have a great day.